0: everyone welcome to cotton Grower magazine's cotton companion podcast i'm jim stedman editor of cotton grower and we're going to wrap up 2022 with this episode so that we and hopefully like all of you your listeners can take a peaceful and likely well-earned holiday break and here to help close out the year my good friend and associate beck Barnes. so is uh holiday excitement starting to build around your house beck
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, in certain corners of the house, certainly. Um, <laughs> no, it's good. Uh, yeah, we're we're fired up. We're getting ready. Just had a big family holiday Christmas party over the weekend. And uh, boy, I got to start. I got to get going on these gifts. I have been a uh, traditionally been a I get I get going on my gift buying on about the 23rd. Uh, on average traditionally and uh <laughs> i got a kid now and so i can't do that. i got you know i look up under that tree it's looking barren and uh yeah i gotta go i gotta be the. i gotta get going jim i gotta grow yes. up and, and turn into a yeah. full-grown you know, adult is she mobile now she she walking we're 15 months we're walking around yeah
0: okay yeah that's it's probably not bad that you don't have presence under the tree
1: that's true. that's a very generous way of i appreciate that Joseph. i need you to yeah. keep you around and give me like life affirming
0: you know and in any any valuable family heirloom ornaments make sure
1: they go up high oh yeah yeah we've learned that the hard way we've had a couple of <laughs> we've had a couple of uh get out the dustpan and broom moments already so yeah but i appreciate that advice yeah all right you know just speaking from experience yeah i know, <laughs> I know you
0: are yeah well moving on. Uh, we know this year's cotton harvest is pretty much wrapped up, and, but there's still a lot of discussion and, and decisions pending about the 2023 crop year. And we're going to talk about some of those challenges ahead in just a few minutes, as we hear from Dr. Darren Hudson, who's Professor of Economics and the COMBEST Endowed Chair for Agricultural Competitiveness at Texas Tech University. Uh, I'll let Darren explain that title, because uh, primarily there's, there's more to it than what he uses. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's impressive to hear when, uh, when you put it all out there. Yeah, the
1: title's impressive alone, without an
0: explanation. That's yeah, awesome. definitely. Uh, well, the first unveiling of new cotton varieties for 2023 occurred December 10th uh, at the Delta Pine meeting, where they announced their Class of 23 lineup during their annual NPE Summit. I had the privilege of being there with roughly 150 of the top cotton growers in the U.S. who are all part of Delta Pine's new product evaluators program. Uh, which just completed its 15th year of evaluating potential new varieties and on-farm trials. And we're going to talk about the five varieties that those growers recommended here in just a moment. Uh, MPE is always a good meeting. A lot of good information and uh, and a lot of good discussion. And I know Beck and I both covered it for cotton growers since the program began. And Beck, I think you've been, you've probably been to maybe one or two more than I have.
1: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that used to be my thing. And uh... Yeah, many years ago, well, I used to volunteer to to uh, cover that event because they always they always go somewhere neat, somewhere fun. Uh, they took me to they they one of the years I covered, they went to Charleston, and the next year we were in New Orleans, and always good food and and a good time, and informative meeting. Of course, they do a great job uh, being transparent with how they. Uh, commercialize their varieties there at Delta Pine, right. and explaining, you know, why they make the decisions they do. And yeah, it's just a great program all around. And yeah, for good and selfish reasons. Yeah, I used to go and eat big and uh, have a big time and, and also do a little bit of, you know, editorial.
0: And also get a little bit of work. Yeah, right,
1: right, right.
0: right. Yeah. But we'll circle back around to that in just a minute. Before we move ahead, I want to take a moment to remember our 2025 Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award winner. It's uh, Kenneth Hood. Of Gunnison, Mississippi, uh, Kenneth passed away on December first at the age of eighty-one, uh, and his name is is no you know is well known throughout the U.S. cotton industry. Uh, he's an he's an innovator. He's you know just a, a, one of the top growers that uh, people who have people who have truly influenced the industry and and the accolades and remembrances for Kenneth have always tout his uh, his tireless work ethic, his innovation, his business sense his helpful and friendly nature, uh, his dedication to making the cotton industry better, and his devotion to his family. Uh, as long as I've known him, he's always been involved in cotton industry leadership. He was served as president of the Southern Cotton Generals Association and as chairman of the National Cotton Council. He was also the first cotton farmer in the U.S. to plant the first bollgard variety in his fields back in the mid-90s. And just prior to his passing, he had been named to the 2022 class of the Cotton Research and Promotion Hall of Fame by Cotton Incorporated and the Cotton Board. Now, personally, I I will never forget the times that Kenneth would stop what he was doing. And trust me, he was always doing something important uh, to talk or answer questions or explain things from his own unique perspective. Beck, I know you've had you've had experiences and conversations with Kenneth Kenneth in the past too, and
1: yeah, well, you know, I, when I think about uh, Mr. Hood, uh, I think about you know the times that he would show up. He's one of these guys that sees the big picture, right? He sees the industry as a whole. That you see, so you know, these guys who are big and and in deep into, the, for instance, uh, NCC leadership, they see. Uh, The big picture and and supporting and shining a light on the industry as a whole, and he he saw it that type of way. He was always at he would always come to our achievement award uh, luncheons uh, when they when we had them, where he could get to them, particularly in the mid south, or back when we used to host it at the belt wide. He would be front and center. He was very proud to have won that award, like you say, back in 2005, And, and he wanted to be in the audience to clap for and to give a pat on the back to the next year's winner whenever he could. And uh, you know, just a good guy, a cheerleader for the industry, a leader in the industry, and uh, you know, we've just seen so many remembrances from yeah. so many people, uh, particularly there in Mississippi and around the industry, over the past few days since he passed. And uh, yeah, he, he's going to be missed. Yeah, he was. Uh, <clears throat> I think the uh, uh, the best way to state
0: it, <clears throat> best way to state it was, uh, he was a gentleman and a visionary, and uh, and this cotton industry is better. Because of him. No doubt. So now let's shift gears. Let's talk a little bit about what Delta Pine is bringing to the market for 2023. This, uh, the Delta Pine class of 23 features two new Bogard 3 Thrive On Cotton with Extend Flex technology varieties. It's really starting to stretch out into a long sentence of its own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, along with three new Bulgard 3 Extend Flex cotton varieties. All of which, of course, were uh, were grower proven through this year's NPE program. It also has a strong native trait package, including a new Bolgard 3 ExtendFlex variety with resistance to root knot nematode and bacterial blight. Four of these new varieties demonstrate resistance to bacterial blight, and all five show moderate tolerance to Verticillium wilt. So, uh, as you're going to see, we as we kind of go through these uh they've got some some good
1: things coming for pretty much for all
0: regions of the cotton belt
1: yeah that's a be, before you get going I, i'll just say that's a big class i mean they, those guys have been i know that keelan still keelan goldston still doing some work on it and i know eric best uh from out there in west texas but he gets all across the belt has been uh working on these they they were busy yeah they definitely had a busy year and
0: uh you know and i talked to i talked with keelan and and, and eric both at the meeting and one of these varieties that they're, both, they're extremely excited about, as were a lot of growers. I think, in fact, I think they were getting threatened by growers if they didn't add this variety yeah, in, yeah. in this year. So, yeah, and we'll, and we'll start with that one, uh, which is Delta Pine 2333 B3XF. Uh, the best way they can describe they describe it as an impressive mid-maturity Bollgard three Stinflex variety that fits the Mid-South, the Southeast, and South Texas markets. It has resistance to bacterial blight, outstanding yield potential, uh, it was demonstrated in, in the plots, excellent fiber quality potential, and delivered some farm record yield averages for several NPE growers. This one was kind of the no-brainer variety to bring, uh, to bring in next year. Next on the list is Delta Pine 2328B3TXF, and that's a mid-maturity, Bolgard extend Extendflex with Thrive-On to fit the Mid-South, Southeast, Upper Gulf Coast and Brazos Bottoms regions of Texas uh, with moderate resistance to bacterial blight. Uh, Next is another Thrive-On variety, Delta Pine 2317 B3 TXF, which is an early maturity variety uh, for the Mid-South and the Texas markets. Again, outstanding fiber quality potential and bacterial blight resistance. Uh, We have Delta Pine 2335, which is B3XF, which is a mid-maturity Bolgard III ExtendFlex variety for the West Texas markets, with resistance to bacterial blight and tolerance to verticillin wilt. And finally, Delta Pine 2349 NRB3XF, and that's a mid to full maturity variety for the Southeast that offers resistance to both root-knot nematodes and bacterial blight. So yeah, as you said, this is really you know the last couple of years. It's it's been a fairly small class, small but very impressive class. This year, uh, with uh, with five new varieties coming out. Now the one thing one thing you have to talk, keep in mind is at this point the, the varieties with the Thrivon gene in it are going to be under a steward stewarded uh, production. Next year, as they still are awaiting the final registration approvals for. Oh for yeah, technology. yeah, I didn't think about that. Uh, but that that's not going to stop them from bringing it to, to market, and there are plans in place to uh, you know to 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 take care of that situation. And again, realistically, like any introductory year, quantities of these varieties are going to be in pretty limited supply, uh, and and I think is uh, demand is likely going to be high. So uh, if you're interested in getting your hands on any of these new varieties probably need need to get in touch with your local Delta Pine Rep uh, ASAP. So now I want to share uh, my interview with Dr. Darren Hudson. Uh, We were both at the NPE Summit. We had a chance to sit down and visit about the current price status for cotton, some competitive factors for next year, and some thoughts on where cotton acreage might be for 2023. So here's our discussion. We're here in Tampa, Florida at the uh, Delta Pine NPE Conference, or our summit, I guess is what they call it at this point, and visiting with uh, Dr. Darren Hudson from Texas Tech. He is a professor and the Larry Combest Endowed Chair for Agricultural Competitiveness and Director of the International Center for Agricultural Competitiveness. Darren, thanks for joining us on the Cotton Companion today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. First of all, you've got this long long title. What the heck?
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> it, you know, it's uh, it it used to be the Cotton Economics Research Institute and then they wanted to change it to match the endowed chairs thing. So, now you're saying the endowed chairs name twice. I I just <laughs> I always short to say the Combest endowed chair, just leave it at that.
0: <laughs> well, one of the things you talked about this morning is the, the good news this year is, the bad news is not as bad as it was back, say, in the 1980s. Uh, can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people look
2: at um, the rise in interest rates that we've seen in the last, uh, you know, a few months as, mm-hmm. uh, as the feds tried to stamp out inflation. We had high inflation in the 1980s, uh, you know, we've got inflation now. Um, and yeah, so some people lose perspective of the idea that, that, that today is like that was in the 1980s. But there's a couple of things. One is the inflation rate's obviously not nearly as high, nor are the interest rates. Right. Uh, but certainly um, U.S. ag today is uh, less leveraged than it was in the 1980s. So, yeah, the rise in interest rates matter. It, it you know, hurts the bottom line in terms of production expenses. But but you don't have debt service being you know forty percent of your operating budget, right. uh, and so uh, it, it, it's something that that we can weather. Uh, it's going to hurt. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, it you know any of these kinds of changes hurt. But but I think we need to keep it in perspective and 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 keep our eyes on the ball and, and keep moving forward because I think you know most farmers are going to be fine. Uh, it, you know it, they may have to make some adjustments, but I think they'll they'll be fine. It's not like the '80s where we're going to see yeah, massive farm failures. Yeah, you know? we're not
0: we're not going to see. Fourteen to eighteen percent interest rates. No, no. <laughs> I hope not for sure. Yeah, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> been through that before. Yeah, exactly. Been through that before. Uh, you talked a little bit about acreage. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at it, uh, and you and, and and other economists that I've talked to, I, I think everybody seems to go back to this corn cotton ratio. Right, as sort of the uh, a guide. Right. on it, but growers we've been talking to. Uh, Tend to be a little bit more optimistic right now, and I guess part of that is just be cotton growers or cotton growers, right? And and, and everything. Uh, in this current environment, do we really know where acres are going to fall next year?
2: No, I mean, it, it, you know, it, you, you you make a good point. The 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 corn cotton ratio that a lot of people use is. is sort of a a first cut at looking at what that's going to be like. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, cotton farmers are sort of eternal optimists anyway. Um, You have to be to grow cotton. But I think, um, you know, there's some reason for that optimism, uh, you know, looking at. There's a long time between now and when that insurance price gets set and those final planting decisions are made. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot of room for those, those variables to change. Uh, and, you know, corn's not the only determining variable, right. obviously, in, in that in that complex. Um, there's a lot of cotton farmers that are just gonna be cotton farmers. Um, you know, 50 cents, mm-hmm. 90 cents, that's it gonna matter. be cotton it. Yeah, they're just gonna grow for cotton. Um, I think where the, the corn uh, cotton ratio thing comes into play is thinking about at the margin. Those producers have good options mm-hmm. um, at where they can rotate out. In, in our part of the world, for example, in West Texas, you know, one of the big concerns is about the wheat price and there's a lot of wheat in our area. <clears throat> we went behind failed cotton. Um, as, a, as a cover crop, mm-hmm. uh, but we've gotten good rain this fall right. and, and we, we're, we're going to have a wheat crop and, you know, at current wheat prices, it may make more sense for them to to ride that out uh, to, to grain and harvest it than to try to terminate it and go back to cotton. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uncertainties, a lot of things we don't know um, that, that are yet to be determined uh, in that cotton, uh, what that cotton planted acre is going to be.
0: Yeah. Well, you mentioned rain in Texas, and, <laughs> you know, and, and trust me, I, you know, I live live in the Memphis area. And, right. You know, for the last two weeks, we've been under this dome of, you know, gray skies and, and rain. Cool. I think I think Mother Nature's trying to refill the Mississippi River <laughs> right. within, within two weeks. Right. On it. Uh, but I think in Texas, you, you were talking about sort of a moderating La Nina, and mm. I've heard that from a number of sources. What's that going to mean to growers?
2: So in, in general, La Nina is bad for winter moisture. Um, you, and you, you gen, generally get a hotter, uh, drier summer. Uh, An El Nino means a cooler, wetter summer. Um, and so there's, there's a bit of a trade-off there in the sense that we need the heat units, uh, but you also need the rainfall. Um, and so uh, as you know, if you look at the, the uh, National Weather Service or, or NOAA's sort of forecast on, on La Nina, um, it's it's shifting from sort of strong La Nina to what we call neutral. Right. Um, and then as we get later in the spring, there's at least some early indications that we may be moving into a favorable El, El Nino uh, scenario. Um, if that happens, it certainly means, and we're already seeing, like you see, uh, you know, sort of this winter moisture. I mean, we've had, uh, you know, we're, we're well above average uh, moisture for December already, uh, you know, halfway through in West Texas. So, um, you know, if that trend continues, that, that planting moisture will make a big difference in terms of one, um, how successful do we, you know, are we at getting crops up? Um, and two, uh, what's that level of abandonment going to be, right. you know, in terms of planted to harvested acres? And we know, you know, uh, we talked about this morning, sort of this negative relationship. So as, as El Nino becomes stronger, abandonment drops uh, mm-hmm. pretty significantly nationally, not just in Texas, but nationally. And and so, um, you know, those planted acres become more harvested acres as we do that. So that, I think, uh, uh, you know, a more El Nino environment or, or a more favorable El Nino environment is probably going to mean maybe a few more planted acres, uh, but also more harvested acres out of those planted acres when we get to the end.
0: Talk about farm bill. Mm-hmm. We've just come through the midterm elections. Everything is, is starting to settle into place mm-hmm. in terms of uh, who's going to be on what committees and leadership, and we've already got the change in leadership on the on Ag Committee at this point but as you mentioned excuse me we're also dealing with a lot of inexperience right on, on the not just on the committee but in congress in general in terms of agriculture people who have never been through a farm bill right. before what kind of hurdle is that going to be in in terms of trying to get the bill put together on schedule this
2: year? Well, you know, in part it depends on sort of how what I'd call radical those new members are. Right. Um, well, what happens a lot, most of the time, for most new members is they get on a committee, they don't know much, they just kind of keep their mouth shut and and and, and watch and learn as, as it is. Um,
0: and rely on their aides. And,
2: and rep- rely on their aides and the staff committee, you know, committee right. staff to, to sort of guide them through this process. Uh, and you know, to the extent that happens, I think we're okay. Uh, and, you know, I think, um, you know, there's some good leadership, uh, you know, chairman Thompson right. will be a good leader. Um, I, I think there's good, uh, I think there are good members of the committee on both sides of the aisle, um, that, that have ag interests that, that will be very, uh, focused on getting a good farm bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Senate may be a little more challenging, uh, in terms of the, the relative focus because it'll be a Democrat, uh, chair and they're going to have a bit, bit different idea about where they want to go with a farm bill but you know they, they they get it ironed out i think yeah. um if they're more radical though i think what happens is you end up a lot of times what i call myth busting um because they come into it with this idea that they know you know the environmental working group has told them that blah 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 you know and you know there, there's a bit of um education that has to take place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and in part, that's my role, that's the role of people like Bart Fisher at, right. at, at Farm Policy Center, um, you know, Pat Westhoff at FAPRI. You know, there's a, there's a cadre of people around the country, economists who've been around a long time, and we do spend some time educating committee staff, and we do it every spring, we, we have a session. Um, and so I think if they're receptive uh, mm-hmm. to that, um, you know, uh, they, they'll, we'll, we'll be okay. Uh, but, but if you do have some radical members that want to make big changes, you know, all of a sudden you get, you know, these big fissures that open up right. uh, and we've seen that in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have seen that in the past when, when the Tea Party Republicans came in, you know, there's was this, uh, yeah, you know, no, we're not doing any of this stuff, you know, and, um, you know, you f- we finally got a farm bill through and got, got things done, but it, it did take a, a, a bit
0: longer yep. and a, li- a bit more political capital right. and than we're you, used to giving. Right, and if you've got a Republican-run House committee and a Democratic-run Senate committee, it makes the reconciliation process a whole lot of fun.
2: It does, it, it makes it a bit of a challenge. Like I said, you know, you'll, you're gonna get this climate um, You know, renewable ag, uh, energy, all that sort of stuff centric Senate version. Right. And you're going to get this Title I crop insurance, farm safety net, you know, Republican (laughs) version. And they're going to have to somehow reconcile those two. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things you did mention this morning is there seems there's one variable that kind of overrides and impacts everything in this market right now, and that is world bill use. Yes. Uh, Why is that so influential?
2: Well, you know, I I say that in part because, uh, you know, we export 85% of our crop, 90% of our crop years. Um, So world meal use is what sucks that U.S. cotton out uh, into that global market. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I used to uh, I used to talk way back when when I was at Mississippi State and I was giving talks to farmers in the Delta and you know they'd be, well you know you know it's dry here in the Delta and we're not going to yield and and the price is going down. I'm like you know, guys you know what's going on in China and Pakistan has more to do with the world price than what's happening in the Mississippi Delta. It's just relative size. Um, not that the U.S. isn't important. It is. It's very important. But for us, I think you know that world use number encompasses a lot of things like. You know consumer demand sentiment. Mm-hmm. You know the effect of inflation and interest rates and consumer spending policies. Even those things really drive that world use number, and that world use number is what drives our export number.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the just just to kind of wrap things up here. One of the words I've heard over and over, or more recently over the last last, last few months, is. Yes. It's just going to take some time for this to work itself out. Any predictions on how long this process might take?
2: No. You know, it's. um, uh, You know, I'd love to say, okay, well, uh, you know, we're we're looking at a six to eight month window here on sorting through the supply chain consumer issues on in the cotton market, for Mm -hmm. example. Um, but that assumes all else equal, right? (laughs) The old Ceteris Paribus from your Econ 101 class. (laughs) And and we just don't live in a Ceteris Paribus world. I mean, there, there are going to be other shocks that come along Mm -hmm. when nobody anticipated, you know, the Ukrainian invasion, the effect it was going to have and that sort of thing. So, you know, I I think uh, all else equal, um, you know, we're seeing good signs in Europe, in the U.S. in terms of returns to you know apparel demand, cotton use that that I think are consistent with a very robust market. Even outside of China and Asia, we've seen you know some robust growth rates in uh, in mill use or, or uh, apparel consumption, which falls back to the mill use. It's in China that's kind of the issue, right? And, and if if we see some relaxation, some movement back towards um, a more open internal Chinese market, um, yeah, then you know, Katie, bar the door. We don't know what's going to happen because um, there's a lot of pinup up demand in, inside yeah. of China. If that doesn't happen or it happens slowly, that's obviously going to extend that that time period. So, again, you know, I, I'm I'm optimistic that probably over the next six months we're going to start seeing the pressure. Uh, on cotton price um, to get a bit of price recovery um, obviously we hope that happens before insurance discovery <laughs> period uh, but uh, if it if it doesn't you know the farmers that do end up planting cotton I think are going to have some great pricing opportunities late spring into the summer and and so just be on the lookout for that. I, yeah. I think those are those, they're going to be some great opportunities yeah. to price cotton. Yeah, when the opportunities come, move quickly. Move, move quickly.
0: Yes. Move yeah. Because you don't know what's going to happen. No, nope. not at all. Well, you, know, what, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. No, no, right. right
2: now. No, <laughs> in, you know, in the last uh, eight months in the cotton market is proof that if you you know if you
0: wait twenty four hours you, you you may lose two three four cents. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. So definitely. definitely. Yep. Well, Darren, thank you for taking some time. Thank Appreciate you. it very much. And yep. uh, we'll see you uh, somewhere down the road. I'm sure at Beltwide or somewhere. Beltwide, yeah. I will definitely be there. Yeah, all right, all right. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be the fly in the room. Okay. It's probably getting picked on. you right, though.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks thank so much. You. Thank you. So, all right, that's going to be it for the final episode of the Cotton Companion Podcast for 2022. It's been a great year. Uh, we want to give a special thanks to Dr. Darren Hudson, who holds the distinction of being our final guest for 2022. Uh, But we thank him for taking time to sit down and visit with Jim there at that MPE Summit. And uh, as always, we want to thank you, dear listener, for joining us. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this episode. And and if you did and you like what you hear on the Cotton Companion, please evangelize for us. Tell your friends, spread the word uh, about this podcast. Here's where and how they can find us you can find the cotton companion in three easy ways first go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. second subscribe to our channel on itunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days and three sign up for our weekly e-newsletter the cotton grower e-news that's delivered to your email inbox every tuesday morning You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine.
0: Cotton Companion Podcast is produced twice monthly by Tyler Hatch and Kim Henderson, our talented colleagues at the World Headquarters for Meister Media Worldwide in beautiful and soon-to-be-wintry Willoughby, Ohio. I'm Jim Stedman, he's Beck Barnes, and we'll be back with you in early January to discuss the results of our annual Cotton Acreage Survey and to introduce you to the recipient of the 2022 Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award, among other things. Until then, have a safe and wonderful Christmas and a very happy New Year's. He works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made fun. Yeah, you were.